Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Praise God. Isn't God good? All the time. <laughs> in every season. Amen. His goodness is there. His faithfulness is there. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Even when we wake up and we have to face another day, we have him with us. He said he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We have his presence everywhere we go. What more, do, what more could we need? What more could we need, church? We have his presence. We are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, God is so good. God is so, so good. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to head on into the word that God has given me for each and every one of us this evening. Amen. And I, um, I'm really looking forward to, to sharing this because, uh, you know, the word of God in general, it just excites me. No matter what I'm studying, no matter what I'm reading over or whatever he's speaking to me, it always excites me. And I always then can't wait to, to share. And even, that I've been, even when I was going over some of these things this past couple of days, I couldn't wait to, to share it with you guys. And you know what? I, I was just saying to the Lord, I was like, Lord, this, like as he was just kind of revealing some of these things to me, I, I was just saying, Lord, your word is so rich. It is so, his word is so wonderful. And yet it is so simple. It is so simple. He's made it simple for us to understand. It's not complicated. It's not, we overcomplicate things. We overcomplicate things. And we make things out of nothing. And his word is simple enough that a child can understand. Amen. And sometimes we try and wrap, wrap things around our, our, our physical minds. Instead of hearing from our spirit. Amen. So, you know, the word that God's given me for this evening and maybe for beyond over these next couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's, it's simple, church, but I mean, it is so important. It is so, so important to, be, to remember and to be mindful and to have these things at the forefront of our minds to live these principles out. To live, that is what the Christian walk is all about. It is about taking the principles of God's word, taking the promises of God's word and applying them, appropriating them by faith and applying them to our lives. It's not supposed to be difficult. It's not supposed to be striving every single day, trying to, you know, trying to pull things out of the word, trying to, trying to apply these things. To our, and it's a struggle, 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 struggle. Everything's a struggle. That's not how it's meant to be. Yes, we will face difficult times. Yes, we will face temptations. Yes, we will have times when we need to stand, you know, on the word and not move off it. But when we, it is, a, it, our Christian walk, our daily walk is just communion with God. It's relationship with the Father. It is taking his word, believing it to be true and applying it to our lives. Amen. And so what I want to talk to you about this evening is, is, is just about God's word. And you know, um, we, with the time of year that's in it, it's just got me thinking and meditating on, on about, you know, Jesus. Because, like, as we heard at the beginning of the service, it's about him. It's all about him. That is what it's about. It's, this season is about him. You know, uh, 365 days of the year, it is, it is about him. But especially at this time of year, you know, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. When we celebrate him coming in flesh. God in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what it's about. It's not about presence. It's not about like the food, the, the lights. Those things are nice. We can partake of those things, but we don't, we don't worship those things. Amen. We don't just, you know, all of our joy and all of our happiness shouldn't hang on those things. We give gifts because we're celebrating the greatest gift that was given, that came for us. Amen. It's in remembrance of him. You know, I love God's word. The more revelation I receive through the word, the more I love it. The more you, you, the more you get in, the more you love it. The more hungry you are for it, and then the more that you're in it. Amen. You know, to remember, you know when you were starting out, even just reading the word of God, like we even whether when you first got saved or when you really got on fire for God or really get, got set alight, and, you know, it was, it was a struggle sometimes to read the word for 15 minutes. You know, you had to force yourself to read it and, you know, and it, 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 you had to discipline yourself. 
And the more you get into the word, because you know what does the Bible say, church? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. When that word gets into your heart, when it is conceived, it births something on the inside of you. That it becomes, when Holy Spirit starts to speak that to you, it becomes a rhema word. It's not just words on a page, it becomes alive. It's rhema word, it's spoken directly to your spirit. And that's when we call it becomes revelation knowledge. That means that when you take the principles and promises of God's word and stand upon them, nobody can turn you away from them. Nobody can, can convince you otherwise. Why? Not because Jason's saying it or because anyone else is saying it. Because I'm telling you this is what the word says. It is because Holy Spirit told you. It's because Jesus himself spoke it directly to your heart. Amen? And it becomes real to you. And that is what the word is. Then those 15 minutes turns into, you know, half an hour. Half an hour turns into an hour. And I know we all have different lives and different responsibilities. And, you know, but it's, it's just about that meditating. It's about that hunger, wanting, wanting, more of, wanting more of God, wanting more revelation, wanting more of Jesus. And it just keeps, keeps getting, that desire keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. When you yield to the word. You know, the word has always been and it always will be. It's everlasting. It endures forever. Would you not want to hedge your bets on something that is everlasting? Something that does not change. Something that will be here. It was here from the beginning. It's here now and it will be here forever. That's what I want to be putting my faith in. That's what I want to be standing upon. Not the, you know, the wishy-washy things of this world that come and go that have no depth, that have no, you know, strong foundation. They're here tomorrow and could be, they're here today and could be swept away tomorrow. I want to have my trust, my faith in God and his word, because that never changes. That never, ever changes. You know, it, it, it was our beginning. It was our beginning. You know, when, uh, through, through the word, we received our salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 23, it says, having been born again, so when we were reborn, when our, when, our, when our spirits became alive in Christ, how did that happen? Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You know, the word of God was planted in us at some point, and then it germinated. It produced, it produced faith to believe and to receive. Without the seed of God's word, you, we couldn't be saved. How can you be saved unless you hear the gospel? Unless somebody shared it with you? Unless, unless you, you know, unless that, unless that faith, the faith of Jesus Christ was placed on the inside of you in order for us to believe. Amen. It all begins with the word of God. When we attach our faith to the seed of the word, it grows and produces fruit. When, when we believed in and received the gospel in that seed that was sown in our hearts, what happened? A transformation took place. A transformation. It wasn't something that we had to, to force. It wasn't something that we had to do. We just had to believe and receive, and that instant transformation took place. When? When we allowed that seed of God's word to get planted in our hearts, and it germinated, it produced. The word was what came first, church. Now, as believers and followers of Christ, the word of God, okay, and listen to this, because this is important, and many of the times, you know, we may not set out to do this, or we may not, you know, you know, consciously, like if, we were, if somebody were to say this to us, we were like, I don't do that. But really, when you examine the motives of our hearts, I know for me, I had to learn this, and I have to continually make sure I'm not doing these things. You know, the word of God is not to be treated like our answer book. It, it, it has the answer, it, it, as in in Jesus, but it's not to be treated like, oh, something's going wrong, pick it up and let's go find out what this, what this is. That's not how it's to be treated. It's not just a place where we run to when we need something. Yes, it is our refuge. Yes, it is our strong tower. Yes, yes, we find, we find rest there. We, we find shelter there. We find that peace in God's word. And yes, you should run to it, but you don't run away from it. Again, you stay there. You, 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 you take up your habitat there. Are we walking it out? It is a continual transformation, church. Are we living it out? God has called us into the change. 
God has called us into that change, but are we living living it out day in and day out? So what does Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 say? Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. It's a continual transformation. What do we renew our minds with? God's word. The word will transform your life if you allow it to do what it is meant to do. If you allow it to to do what it is sent forth to do, it will change your life. And it's no good just hearing it. You have to apply it. You have to do it. So in John chapter 1, turn with me there, and I'm going to be out of here this evening. You know, just, just, you know, like I said at the beginning, as I was meditating on, on Jesus becoming flesh, being sent in human form, being sent in a physical body, in a fleshly body. In John chapter 1, we read that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. This is speaking of Jesus. This had to happen. Jesus had to come to this earth in the flesh to fulfill God's plan for redemption. Okay, this, this is where, this is, Jesus had to do this. He had to come as a baby, born of a virgin, you know, produced, came into existence by the spoken word of God. He, he had to do this in order for us to receive this plan of redemption. Jesus, the living word, he is the full expression of God's spoken and written word. When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't just come with the word in him, church. He just didn't, he just wasn't, you know, oh, he knew all the scriptures and he knew the word back to front. He just didn't come with the word in him. He came as the word. He was the word. For you and I, it's not enough that the word became flesh, as in Jesus did, okay? John chapter 1 and verse 14, and we'll get there in a second. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's not enough that the word just became flesh. What I want to talk to you about tonight is, is the word becoming flesh in you? Is the word becoming flesh, as in, is it continually transforming you? Are you allowing it to become flesh? You see, the reason why I say that is it's not enough, you know, that he became flesh. As in, Jesus became flesh so that all could come into a relationship with him. Yes. This was his plan for redemption. He had to do these things in order to, to come to this earth, take our sin, take up the place of you and I, die on the cross. So that Holy Spirit, so that God the Father could raise him from the dead, victorious with our redemption in his hand. These things had to take place. So Jesus became flesh so that all could come into a relationship with him. But does that mean all will? No. Why? Because people refuse to submit to the word of God. People refuse to allow the word of God to plant in their hearts and allow it to change them. People reject God's word all the time. Jesus already done his part when he became flesh. Now it's our turn to get the word to become flesh through us. We do this by living our lives as an example of Jesus and allowing his word to continually transform us. So in John chapter 1, in verse 1, I'm going to read. And these verses, you know, they're, they're familiar to us. And you know, sometimes, you know, as I was studying these things out, I said, you know, Lord, these verses are very familiar. And he says, you know what? Sometimes the verses that are familiar are the ones that people don't actually understand. They hear them all the time and they're like, they don't even know what it means. Now, I'm not saying that of us in general, but I'm saying, you know, you know, people, when things become familiar, a lot of the times they can stop us from really digging or, or meditating or thinking upon these things. And, you know, I just want to read these verses to you and, and, and um, let's look over what, what the Word's saying to us here. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light that outshines the darkness. Jesus is the word of God, church. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word here used is logos. 
and it denotes, in the vines, it, it denotes the expression of thought. It's an expression of thought, not the mere name of an object or a person. It's an expression. In the very beginning, and I love how it says it in the Passion Translation, it says, in the very beginning, the living expression, the Logos, Jesus, was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet was fully God. Jesus expressed the thoughts of the Father and became flesh so that we could open the word and read them. Jesus, Jesus expressed the thoughts of the Father. This is, a, this, is an exp, this is a divine expression. Okay? Jesus is the living expression. Jesus was the word. He is the word. So we can open up this. We can read, we can read the, th- the very thoughts of our Father. Jesus is the blueprint. You know, the word is our detailed plan and program of action. That's what, a, what, a, what, a, what the definition of a blueprint is. It, is. it is a detailed plan and a program of and a program that we can act upon. That is who Jesus is to us. Jesus is the divine self-expression of all that God is. You know, sometimes we just need to get our, get our focus off, you know, that this is just a book. And I know, yes, we know those things. I know we know, yes, the Word of God's not just a book. Yes, when I pick it up, when I stand in faith, when I apply, the, apply it to my life, you know, uh, this happens and that happens and I prosper and I, get, you know, uh, and I get healed and this and that and the other. We're still treating it like an answer book. We're treating it like, yes, I come to church on a Sunday, I come to church on a Wednesday, you know, I, I, I get into the Word of God and then, you know, we, we are just treating it like something that we go to. And that's when things become difficult for us, when, the, when we don't, when we know, when those things aren't, when we don't allow conception to take place on the inside of us. Turn with me really quickly to Hebrews chapter 1, because this just kind of backs up what, a lot of what um, John is saying there in chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and from verse 1 it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So this is speaking of the Old Testament, in times past, okay? Verse 2, has in these last days, everyone say last days. That's the days we're in now. Okay, that, that is you and I, this is us. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he had made the worlds. Who, which is speaking of Jesus, being the brightness of his glory of the Father, and the express image of his person, so Jesus is the express image of the Father, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the express image of God. That's why Jesus said, you know, when he was walking on this earth, you know, people were like, but, but how, do we, how do we know God? How do we get to God? How do we, you know, how do we receive these things? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, these people didn't accept Jesus because they didn't see him for who he was. They were blinded, blinded by religion, blinded by their, by Blinded by the enemy. That they didn't see who Jesus was when he was standing in front of them. And this is what Jesus was saying was, you don't, you think you know God? He was speaking to the religious, to the religious people of that day who thought they were better than everyone else. Who thought they were closer to God than everyone else. Who thought that they had a right, had had the passage, had a rightful passage to get to God. Just because of who they were, what they studied, where they came from. And Jesus was saying, you, do, you think you know the Father, you think you know God, but you don't because I'm standing in front of you and you don't know me, you don't accept me, you don't receive me. I'm an express image of who God is. When we get an understanding, church, what the Word of God, that the Word of God is not just a book, it's a written expression of Jesus himself, that ought to give us a more of a reverence and respect for the Word of God. 
It ought to give us a greater respect and reverence that we just don't treat it like, oh, something's go, going wrong. Oh, let's go to the Word now and find out what that says. But it's, you, have, you hold it in a higher regard because it's, it's, it's an expression of Jesus himself. Jesus is the Word. We will ensure then that we take the time to delve into it and allow it to become flesh in our lives. That we don't just sit back and say, yes, Jesus came for us. Yes, Jesus came as a, as a baby at Christmas time, you know, so he could take on our sins, so he could, he could do what God called him to do. He became flesh for us. Yes, but now we must let the word become flesh in our, in our lives. The more we allow the word to be conceived in our hearts, the more we progress in our relationship with God. Why is that? Because the word is that divine expression. It's that blueprint. God's word was there from the beginning. It's with us now and it will be with us forever. What a gift that we have been given in God's word. What a gift that we've been given. So um, go back to John chapter 1. And if you skim on down to, chapter, to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I want to read it to you here now. And this is in the classic Amplified. It says, And the Word, which is Christ, became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, which means he fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an, as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness and truth. You know, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it talks about how um, we see the prophecy that Christ would be born to a virgin and be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us, like I said at the beginning. You know, this this was a, Jesus becoming flesh. This is what we read in John chapter 1 was a fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus becoming flesh. Jesus not only came as our savior. Okay, so I, I, we celebrate this. We celebrate Jesus, you know, when we say these things, you know, yes, like he's our savior. And praise the Lord, he's our savior. Because church, we needed one. Did you need one? Because I certainly did. We all needed one. We couldn't get to the Father but by Jesus. So we needed our Savior. Okay? So, but he didn't just come and dwell among us. He didn't just come as flesh to be our Savior. He became to be our example. He came as our example. What does that mean? It means that he wants us now to follow him. He wants us now to live like he lived. He wants us now to take on what, the way he walked and the way he talked. And the way he acted. That is why he was our example. That's why we're to follow him. Imitate Christ. He took on mortality. He faced temptation just like we face it. We can't say that, oh, it was easy for him because, you know, he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was fully man. And what a miracle. He was fully man. He faced temptation just like you and I did. He needed to eat. He needed to sleep. He had limitations in his physical body. Just like we have limitations. All the while he was God. He walked out a perfect life in order to show us how we can live when we choose him. He lived a perfect life so that he could show us that we can get the word into us, we can get it conceived into our hearts, and then we can start producing the God way of living. Jesus was the perfect example. Notice how it says three things in verse 14 of John chapter 1. Jesus was the perfect example of glory, grace, and truth. Glory, grace, and truth. You know, Jesus... He not only came, you know, when he said, I, did, you know, I, I didn't come to abolish the law. See, Jesus came right in the middle of a dispensational change. You know, he, you know, he, was, like, it was, he was hovering between the two. He came to fulfill the law, all the while establishing a new covenant, church. 
establishing a new covenant for you and I, for his body, for the New Testament church, so that we could walk in better promises, so that we could receive him, we could receive our salvation. We could then be in covenant with God, which was based on better promises. Jesus is our mediator. He was the bridge back to the Father. He reconciled us back. We are no longer bound by the law, but free by glory, grace, and truth. That's what Jesus done for us. He became our example in the flesh. Now we can go to the, into the Word and find our identity and find our calling and find our destinies. They're in the Word. The Word is our blueprint. It's our detailed plan of action. Jesus walked out principles of the brand new covenant and he brought forth that glory, grace, and truth. You know, by this, he gave us an example of how we should live. So as we live in God's word and walk it out in our lives, church, we're partnering with God. Did you know that? When we get the word in our hearts, when we conceive, when it is conceived and it starts to bring forth fruit, we are then in partnership with God. Allowing it to become flesh in our lives and also we can become full of glory, grace, and truth, just like Jesus was. Just like Jesus was. That's why he's our example. He wouldn't expect us to live in a way that we couldn't attain to. That's why he's given us Holy Spirit. That's why he's given us these things. Why? So that we don't have to live by our flesh, church. We can live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And how are we in our spirit? And you know we say these things. I, I teach these things over and over again. The word is our mirror. What do I mean by that? As in the word will tell you who you truly are. You see, a physical mirror will tell you what you look like. And you know, sometimes we don't always like what we see. <laughs> but this mirror will tell you what you want to see. Because it will tell you the condition of who you are in the spirit. Oh, church, it's not something that we go to or pick up when we have a down day. It's who we are. When we allow it to become flesh, it's who we are. It's part of us. We come into alignment with God's word and then we're one. It's not just something that we're going to. The word's over here. The word's at church on Sunday and you're going and you're pulling and pulling and pulling. Oh, the doctor said this. Oh, you know, I'm coming, get, I'm coming up against these problems. Oh, how am I even going to get through Christmas financially? How, how am I going to do these things? And you're, you're coming and you're pulling and you're pulling and you're pulling because you're treating the word of God like it's separate from you. You're pulling from it. And yes, we go to the word. Yes, this is where we pull things from. But church, we're not over here and the word here. The word is Jesus. It's a written expression. It's a divine expression of the Father. It means that it's in us. It's in us. It's who we are. It is continually becoming flesh in our lives. And then we walk out glory, grace, and truth. We are allowing the living expression, Jesus himself, to flow through our lives. And it is from him and by him that we can do all things. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just turn there really quick. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says... You know, this is talking about the glory of the new covenant. This is what is available to you and I. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, who's turned to the Lord in here? Amen. When you have turned to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Praise the Lord. Now the Lord is the, now the, Lord is the Spirit. This is speaking of Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means, that means though, okay, oh, where the Holy Spirit it is, you know, there's freedom, which means, you know, if I'm where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. Not necessarily. It's where the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning in your life. That's where the freedom is. That's where the freedom is. If you're not submitted or yielded to the Holy Spirit, you can't walk in freedom. Where the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning in your life, that's where the freedom is. 
But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being transformed in His glory. The more we draw close to Him, the more we will reflect the glory of Jesus. Do we understand that, church? The more we draw close to Him, the more we reflect, the more we radiate, the more we give off the glory of Jesus. You know, the Greek word used here is metamorpho, and it means to transfigure or transform, okay? So it was, you know, this was the same Greek word that was used when it described in the word Jesus being transfigured on the mount. You know, when he went up with the disciples and, and, he, came to, and he was transfigured and his face became bright like the sun. They couldn't even look upon him. Why? Because the glory of God was all over him. He was transfigured, transformed. And I love this. This is also the same word that's used in Romans 12, chapter, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. So how do we start, begin to walk in the glory of God? We renew our minds with the word of God. We get into the word of God and we allow it to transfigure us, to transform us. When we receive Jesus, church, the veil is taken away. There's nothing separating us from God. So the more we transform ourselves by the renewing of the thoughts of our minds, the more we're filled with his glory. And we're going from glory to glory. But like that, it's continual. The renewal of your mind is continual and we're transforming from glory to glory. So when we allow the word to become flesh in us, church, when we allow the word of God, the, the, the living expression, the divine expression of the Father, the express image of Father God to become flesh in us, we transform from glory to glory. You know, Jesus has given us the ability to walk things, these things out, but we need to put it in. We need to put it in. This should be, you know, a natural overflow in our lives. It's not, you know, it's not, like I said, something that you're pulling from. It becomes who you are. It's your identity. So when problems or circumstances come, you're not scrambling in the word of God. Oh, where's that verse, Lord? Uh, where's that verse, you know, that they said on Sunday? What do I need to stand and what I need to do? You're not scrambling in a panic trying to find a verse or a promise of God to stand upon. You know, when the, when the circumstance or situation is contrary, no, the word is in you. It's conceived on the inside of you, which means it births something. When conception happens, it always produces something. You need to get the word conceived on the inside of you. It automatically just flows out of you. The living expression is radiating from you. And that just kept, that just kept coming up in my spirit all the time. The living expression. That's what the word of God is. Logos. These are things we must get right. As believers, the word of God, it should be a lifestyle. It should be a lifestyle. When it becomes part of who you are in the flesh, and this is so important, church, right? When it becomes who you are in the flesh, for example, okay, <clears throat> divine health, is better than healing. Did you know that? Okay. Divine health is better than healing. Why? Because healing means you first had to become sick. Okay. Healing. And yes, Jesus has provided healing for us. Jesus is the healer. But in Jesus, in that living expression, in this word of God that's alive and powerful, there's divine health. Amen. So you don't have to wait till you're sick to be like, What's, where, where's Isaiah 53 again? Or where's 2 Peter? You know, where's these things that say healing is my portion, healing is the children's bread. I, I, I need to confess these things morning, day and night. No, the word of God is so alive in you that sickness can't even 
penetrate because divine health is all over you. That is what the word of God being conceived and producing in your life is all about. God doesn't want you sick full stop. Full stop. He wants you walking in divine health. So it is much better to walk without sickness than it is to believe for healing. Both require faith. Because I'm not saying temptation isn't going to come. You know, when you, you often, <laughs> I often hear people say, you know, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get sick. And, I, you know, I used to hear people say that, you know, like these are men and women of God, like, you know, and, um, and uh, you know, I don't get sick. And I used to think, you know, really and truly, like, is, like, how can that even be right? But it's the truth, church. Because th- what they're saying when they say those things is they don't yield to sickness. It doesn't mean that the physical body may not feel something. It, may not, it doesn't mean that the physical body doesn't feel a temptation or feel a sniffle or feel any pain, but it's, you do not let it get further. You, are, you speak against those things. You push back against them. You do not accept them. You, cause why? Because you are choosing divine health. It means that you, it doesn't get to the point where you're laid up for two weeks trying to confess the word of God from, from your sickbed, trying to push back the sickness, you know, and, and a lot of things are involved in that. You know, there needs to be, you know, um, you know, with wisdom dwells prudence and you need to be, you know, wise. You need to, you know, rest when you need to rest and do those things. But, but it's, it's it, I'm telling you, divine health is available for each and every one of us. When the Logos, the living expression, is living through your life, it is your identity. It is your lifestyle. You can overcome the temptation when they come and allow the word to push back against them. And I'll mention again, church, we don't just run to the word when something goes wrong. We need to realize that the word is in us. It is who we are. It is our identity. The word should be dictating how we act and how we live, not our circumstances. Not our circumstances. When we treat the word like our plan B, and, 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 and just get this, when we treat the word like our plan B and run to it only when we need something, we're allowing our situations to dictate to us what our relationship with God looks like. Oh, I'll treat the word as plan B now, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to run to the word. I'm going to be in church every service now. I'm not going to miss it until I, I get over this mountain, until I get over this hump, until I get over this, what, what's trying to come against me. And you're treating it like, you know, like a plan B, because when all is well, you're really not as fiery about these things. You're really not as, you know, you know gung-ho about these things and, and ruthless when it comes to these things. You, you tend to just kind of chill or become passive. And, you know, we're all susceptible to this. We've all fallen trap falling into traps like these. But don't treat it like your plan B because when you only run to it when you need something, you're allowing the situation to dictate to you what your relationship with God looks like because your relationship with God should not be you. Problem, run into the word, getting the answer. Problem, run into the word, getting the answer. Problem, run into the word, getting the answer. You're allowing your problems and your situations to dictate to you what your relationship with God looks like instead of allowing the word to dictate to you. Allowing the word to live and be an expression through you. The word must continue to become flesh in our lives, church. It's continual. If God's word was like a reservoir, like a reservoir of water, okay, you wouldn't, you don't just go to it when you're thirsty and fill, fill your hands to drink. Okay, you're, you're, you're going to dive in. You know, you, it has to be your habitat. It has to fully surround you. It has to be become who you are. It has to envelop you. Is the word of God enveloping you? Or do you just go to it when you're thirsty or you need something and you just take a wee fistful or cupful and just take a wee drink? Or, yes, that, that'll satisfy for now. Instead of just diving in, allowing it to completely, allowing yourself to submerge allowing it to, you, to completely wash over you. You would allow it to fill you and consume you. It becomes who you are in the flesh. You know, 
especially at these times of years, it can happen often. We can take our eyes off the mark. We can get sucked into the busyness. And, and just like once again, Holy Spirit's just lining these things up when he's speaking through, through us and the people that have been sharing tonight. But, you know, we can often get sucked into the busyness. We can take our eyes off, off, off the mark. And sometimes we can get, you know, pulled into the commerciality of things. We get our eyes off Jesus. We get our eyes off his word. And, you know, so I don't know about you, but when this happens, or sometimes, you know, even if my schedule looks busy or, or you know, I have more things, you know, I, I spend every morning, most of my morning, because this is, this is what I do, you know, and this is what I'm doing full time. And this, you know, I spend most of my mornings in the Word or I study the Word. But, you know, if, if something happens or I have, a, I have a schedule or something happened that I have to go to and I don't, I'm not in something for a day or a couple of days or something as much or I'm not able to give it as much time, I can feel it. I can feel it in my spirit. I, it, it's, it, I can nearly, I, I feel starved. You know, like I said at the beginning, how, you know, when you know, like, when you know the word, when you become, when you know the word, you begin to love it more. You desire it more. So then when you don't get it, it you can feel it. Because you go from strength to strength. You're going from glory to glory. You're going, you're progressing. So what maybe satisfied you two years ago or six months ago isn't going to sustain you now. Because God's put more responsibility on you, more demand on you as you step into your call and as you step into your destiny. He requires more of you. So you need to put more in. And I can feel it sometimes when this happens. And then what happens is then you get in the flesh. You know that the, the temper is a wee bit shorter. It's a wee bit sharper. You know, you're allowing things to get to you. You know, you maybe don't push back as hard on the temptation. A bit of a pity party time and time again. And, and you get into the flesh, and when that happens, church, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. That's why it's a daily thing. The, the Bible says to meditate on the, uh, meditate on the word of God day and night. Always keep it before your eyes. Your flesh begins to have a bit more of a say, and it becomes evident in how you speak, in your thoughts, in your actions. And you can always tell when somebody's not in the word. It's very obvious. Because your mouth gives you away. Your actions give you away. This process is continual. We go from glory to glory. Don't come away from the word. So like I said, yes, you run to it. But you don't come away from it. You then live there. It becomes your habitat. You habitually abide there. Because it becomes who you are. So one of the roles, and I love this, right? We've such a wonderful gift in, in the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent, that's what Jesus said. I'm sending you your helper, your comforter, paraclete. And you know, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our remembrance what Jesus spoke. John 14, verse 26. I'm sending you Holy Spirit and he will bring to your remembrance the words that I'm speaking to you. So Jesus, who is the word, he is the living expression. He is this, he is this, what we read. Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what Jesus spoke. We have no excuse for not renewing our minds. People say that to me all the time. It's easy for you because that's what you do. I work 12 hours a day. I work this, I work that. Church, it's not always about quantity, it's about quality. You take, a, you take a portion of the word of God, you seek first the kingdom, you make the word of God priority in your life, you take time to deposit it, no matter how much it is in quantity, you deposit it, and then you allow Holy Spirit to continually bring it to your remembrance throughout the day. You meditate on it. You allow him to teach you new things. It can be one verse and he can, he's just peeling back layer after layer after layer. While you're on the go, you don't have to be stuck with your head in the Bible for 12 hours a day in order to renew your mind or, or, or in order to get the word in. So we have no excuse. You, we deposit it in our heart and then the Holy Spirit brings it to us brings it to our remembrance. That is one of the roles of Holy Spirit. You know, you think upon these things, you think upon, you, you think upon that thing. So for, for example, you wake up in the morning and you know you are in a rush to get out to work or, or whatever it may be and you know you, you spend time with God. 
You take a few minutes, you pray, you get your eyes on him, you dedicate your day to him. And you know, you read a portion of scripture and you know, you're meditating on it. And then throughout the day, you're, you're thinking upon that. You're thinking upon that. Because when you go into the world, when you go into the workplace or when you go into wherever you need to be, believe me, there's going to be something that tries to get in. There's going to be, you know, fear or doubt or whatever it may be tries to get sown into your heart. And if you meditate on that, that's not going to, that's not going to uplift you. It's not going to edify your spirit. But the word of God that you spent time in that morning, Holy Spirit will continually bring that to your remembrance and it will edify you. It will continually become flesh in your life. You will be living it out as an expression. When the word is becoming flesh, it means the dominant thought that is in your heart and how you react to situations is coming from God's word. So the dominant thought, you, know, you um, I think I shared that before, you know, th- there's so many statistics about, you know, thoughts and how many thoughts we have a day. And there's thousands of thoughts that can pass through our minds every day. And the, and the statistics say 90% of them are repetitive. So we could be thinking about the same thought or the same train of thought for 90% of the thoughts that we think. So for most of the day, that's why, you know, mental, like, sickness and problems is so prevalent because when you get that thought wrong you're in trouble because it dominates your mind it dominates your thinking when you will get the word in allow holy spirit to bring that to your remembrance that's what edifies you that's what the word becoming flesh in your life looks like This is how we become more and more like Jesus, because he is the word. We don't live our lives striving to do this, striving to do that, constantly trying to do everything right. Oh, like I said at the beginning, it shouldn't be a struggle. You know, we will have to push against spiritual forces and push against things that are trying to stop us, but not everything is supposed to be an uphill battle where you're just, you feel like you're about to lose it at any point. We don't have to live our lives striving to do this, striving to do that, constantly trying to do everything right. You simply put the word in and you allow it to be expressed through your life. You know, one day we'll be separated from our flesh, from this earthly body. Okay, when we receive our glorified bodies, we, this earth suit, this is, our, this is our passport to live on this earth. What you see, our flesh we, right now, we can't separate ourselves from this body. I can't just put this body down and start roaming around like Casper the ghost. Okay, you know, we're, you know we, just like Jesus came and became flesh, he was limited by the physical body. You know, we, are, we have to deal with our flesh. Okay, we have to deal with it while we're on this earth. So just like this, we must not treat the word of God like it's separate from us. Like we go to it when we want something to read and spend time with God, but then we put it down again. Right, I'll leave you there now, till tomorrow or till the next day. Instead of allowing it to become flesh in you, instead of allowing it to conceive and bring forth what it is sent forth to do. You know, we must understand that we need to conceive the heart, conceive the word in our hearts. You know, the Bible tells us, church, right, that we're one spirit with God. In 1 Corinthians six seventeen, it says we're one spirit with the Lord. So we're also one with the word. How is that? Because according to John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus was the word. Jesus was the word. And if we are one with Jesus, we are one with the word. It's not separate from us. It has to become flesh in you. It has to become part of who you are. It's your identity. When you get this revelation, it's not going to be dragging out principles that you need to stand upon. It's who you are. We don't need to go to the Word to find more peace, more joy, more faith. Oh, Lord, give me more faith. Give me more peace. Give me more joy. Because you know when the Word's in you, when you are perfectly aligned with God's Word, when you are yielding to the Holy Spirit that's in the inside of you, you know you already have those things. The faith of Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. The peace that passes all understanding is on the inside of you. The joy of the Lord that is your strength is on the inside of you. What happens too many times is we lose sight of who God says we are. 
we're not to forget what Jesus has done for us and where we're now seated in glory. Like I said, God's word is our spiritual mirror. You know, I, I won't read it for time's sake, but in James chapter 1 and verse 22, it talks about how we shouldn't be doers of the word. But what? We, sh we shouldn't be hearers of the word, and but we should be doers of the word, not just hearers only. We don't just hear the word and then don't do it. If we do, what does it say? We'll be like a man observing his face in a mirror. You look at yourself, then you walk away and you forget what you look like. But those who look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it and put it to practice and do it, you won't forget. Those are the ones who God says will be blessed in whatever he does. When we look into the word of God, when we apply it to our lives, we'll be blessed in whatever we do. That's a promise from God, church. You know, when you hear the word and don't do it, you're stuck in the natural. You're looking at yourself through the wrong lens. We forget who we've been recreated to be. You know, when you hear something and don't do it, you're likely to forget it. But when you do something, you know the way they say people are different types of learners, how you learn something. You know, some people can, you know, learn something and, and remember it by just being told it. That's a blessing. <laughs> but it's rare. A lot of the times, I know for me, I'm more hands-on. If somebody tells me something, you know, if, unless I act it out, unless I do it, if someone gives me a set of instructions, I need to do it so, it so I can remember it. You're more likely to remember who God says you are when you start acting on the word. When you start doing it and not just hearing it only. Are we doing okay? Just give me a few more minutes. You know, um, once we discover it, we don't come away from it. It, it. it is who we are as a child of God. You know, this will change the way we live, church, when we get this revelation. It's simple stuff, but sometimes we have the head knowledge of these things. Sometimes we know these things. Oh, yes, well, basically, you're just explaining what the Christian walk's all about. Yes, that's exactly what I'm teaching. That's exactly what I'm explaining. But are we living it? Are we really living these things out to the best of our ability? Because I know I'm learning every day, church. He was teaching me so many things through this, and I was like, wow, I'm so thankful that I get to, get to be reminded of these things. That the Word of God, it's not just a book. It is not just something that you sit on your desk and go pick it up every day. Even if you're in it a lot, we still shouldn't treat it like it's a book. That Logos is that, is that living expression. It's Jesus himself. And we are one with Jesus. We're one with the Word. It's in us. God has promised us abundant life full of peace and health. We walk in the promises when we, come, when we become one with the word. Okay, so that's when we be walk in those promises, when we become one with God's word. When we get our thoughts aligned on who we are really in Christ, we begin to walk these things out. So really in Proverbs chapter 4, I'm just going to read this really quickly. In verse 20 to 22, it says, My son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So it is life to all those who find them and health to all their flesh. Who wants life and health in our flesh? Keep the word of God in front of your eyes. Do not let it depart from your eyes. You're one with it. You know, conception will always produce something, like I said. What we should be focusing on is getting the word conceived so that it automatically bears good fruit. It's just automatic. We aren't going to grab something. You see, and this is this, this bless me, church. We aren't going to grab something from the outside and put it in. We're producing from the inside and allowing it to flow out. Stop treating the word of God like it's over here. I need to go get it, pull it, get it. I need it. I need something. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Get it and, and oh, put it in, put it in, put it in, put it in. Yes, that works. But it should be on the inside of you. You should be conceiving it and producing it so that it's on the inside flowing out. 
not from the outside going in. Life and hell to all of our flesh is found in keeping the word in the midst of our hearts. When we allow the divine expression of the Father to live in and through us, we produce the supernatural things of God. We produce the supernatural things of God. You know, in order for us to have a relationship with God, the word must become flesh in our lives. You know, you, you, you can't say, I go to church every week. You know, I hear people say that all the time. Oh, oh, so you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. You know, I go to church every week, so I ha therefore I have a, a relationship with God. Church, church is not your relationship with God. Okay? I, you know, there, I believe that there's many people, you know, uh, that there is a huge majority of people who go to a church, but they have no relationship with God. Why? Because it's just religion. It's tradition. Maybe they're not even reborn. You can come, anyone can come and sit here week in and week out. But if your heart is hard, you ain't going to receive anything. If you don't yield to the Holy Spirit, if you don't allow the word to be conceived on the inside of you, you ain't going to receive anything. The church is not your relationship with God. Your good works is not your relationship with God. Oh, I'm a good person. You know, I, I, do what, I do what the Bible says. You know, I, I do these things. So, you know, that I do have a relationship with God. These things will help. You know, church helps. Why? Because it gets your focus on the word. It gets your focus on where it should be. But it's how you relate, relationship, relate. How you relate to God's word the living expression. Jesus himself, the Logos, that is what determines whether you're in a relationship with God or not. Is how you relate to God's word. Are you relating to his word and then applying it to your life? Or are you just a hearer? Are you just coming and sitting, filling, filling, fulfilling your religious duty? You know, you can have a bar of soap in your possession but you aren't going to be clean until you apply it to your body. You can have a bar of soap, but you're going to be dirty until you pick it up and apply it to your physical body. You can have the word available to you through coming to church, through your family, through your friends, but that doesn't mean that you're in a relationship with God. It's only when that word becomes flesh in you when you allow it through the Holy Spirit to change your life, that's when you're in relationship with God. You see, the word is available to everybody. But that doesn't mean that they're, they're going to receive it. It doesn't mean that they're in relationship with God. Just like it doesn't mean the soap's going to make you clean. You have to apply it to your life. You have to take it, put it in, allow it to conceive, and germinate, produce in your life, and then it just flows out of you. That's what determines whether you're in a relationship with God or not. You know, the word of God brings direction to your life. You want direction? I, church, that's 90% of the time, that's what people come to us looking for prayer for. I want direction. You know, I want guidance. I just, I want clarity on these things. I, 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 I don't know what to do or I don't know the steps to take. I don't know what turn to take. Or, you know, direction is in God's word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, the word is what? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It illuminates the way. You say, I don't know where my path's going. Start getting in the word. It will illuminate the way. It will light it up. It will show you the way to go. People, uh, you know, people want to go, go to man to get, oh, I want you to tell me what I need to do. I want you to tell me the decision I need to make. And they're not even in the word. Because they, they couldn't be bothered to put the word in or maybe, you know, they've been offended or, you know, they, they, oh, I tried those things that don't work. I can't, I, you know, it doesn't help me. Hard heart. You're not allowing faith to be produced. You're not allowing that faith to, be, to grow in your life. If we stick with the word, we will find the light that illuminates the path. You don't need to panic and run to the word to try and find a verse that tells you what to do. You just dwell in the word. Align yourself 
Make it become your spiritual mirror, your direction, your instruction, your guidance, all through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus spoke. He will, he will speak the word to us. He will reveal what the word means. We can pick up the word and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm reading it, but I don't understand it. That's because, you know, things that are spiritually discerned can't be understood. They can't be discerned by the physical. You know, we need, to be, we need to be listening and receiving it through our spiritual ears, not trying to understand it with the intellect of our mind. That's why the most intelligent, a lot of the times, the most intelligent people are the ones who, who don't believe. You know, scientists and doctors and all these incredibly intelligent people. Why? Because they're so focused on the physical. They're so focused on, no, this has to make sense. Everything has to line up. You know, faith has to be in there. You, can, you know, you need to have faith to believe. Faith to receive. It's not about understanding it up here. It's about understanding it in here. Allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you in here. God's word is truth. The Bible says the truth sets us free. So if you're bound by the corruption that's in the world, it's because you've not allowed Logos to become flesh in your life. Why? Because Logos, the word of God, the divine expression, Jesus himself, he will set you free. So if you're bound, it's because you are not allowing the word to become flesh in you. You may understand the word, you may agree to the truthfulness of the word, but you're not applying it, you're not allowing it to become flesh. Like Jesus became flesh for us in grace, glory, and truth. And he has called us to do the same. Why? Because we have a spirit that's redeemed, that's perfect, that's just like Jesus. And when we tap into that, that's how we can do these things, church. That's how we can walk out these things. We can become one with his word when we're one with him. And this revelation will give us a greater reverence for the word of God. We won't treat it like our get-out-of-jail card. Oh, I'll pull that out when we need it, as our plan B, or whatever. We know that it is Jesus himself in written, in written form. We'll respect and honor it. It is our greatest, you know, I, I often hear people say, you know, oh, if my house was burning down, I'd grab this, I'd grab that, and I often hear people say, I'd grab my Bible, and you know, I truly understand what that means. Even just for the fact that my Bible has so many notes in it that you know, the Holy Spirit has shown me like over the years different things that I, and I write down in it and I, I would hate now to, for anything to happen this. It should be a prized possession, not just because it's a book that you just wipe the dust off now and again when you take it off your shelf. It's a divine expression of the Father. It's Jesus himself. It's the living expression. When you take it and apply it to your life, it becomes flesh in you and you can walk in glory, grace and truth. Amen. Isn't that good news? Amen. I had a few more verses, but I'm going to close there, church. And, and you know what? These things, like I said, they're, you know, they're things that we need to continually remind ourselves about and walk in. The Word of God is so important. It always has been. It's with us now, and it will always be. That's what you're going to want to put your trust in. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who was the living expression of that word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. What a gift that you've given us in your word. We honor your word this, today, God. We honor your word. As a church, we honor your word. We reverence it. We respect your word, Lord, and what it does for our lives and what it is in our lives. It's not just a book, but it's, it's, it's who you are in written form. We can open it up and we can read your thoughts, Lord. We can get to know your heart from this powerful book. It's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. <coughs> When we align our words with it, Father, we become one with you, Lord. It's, we speak forth power. Holy Spirit backs it. And it is sent to do. It performs what it is sent to do. We honor your word. Thank you, Lord, for 
this wonderful time together. I thank you, Father, for what you've shown us. And like, you, like we said tonight, Lord, you're, the seed of your word, it's incorruptible. It, that, the seed never fails. It's not a, we don't get a faulty seed. The seed is perfect. So, Father, we prepare our hearts right now. We protect that seed. We guard it with our lives. We, know, we won't let anything steal it or rob it from us because it is our prized possession. It is life and it is health and it is peace and it is joy. We get that word planted in our hearts, Lord. We know it's going to produce a harvest. It's going to produce a fruit. It's going to conceive. And birth dreams and visions. And the supernatural things that only you know and understand, Father, in and through our lives. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful time together corporately. We adore you, Lord. We make it about you. You alone are worthy. Only you can satisfy. Nothing else will do, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you. We thank you for our protection, Lord. We thank you for, Lord, our health and our strength. That is, as we go about our business, as we leave and exit this place, Lord, as we go about the rest of our week, Father, that we are covered by your blood. No evil will befall us. And no plague, no virus, no sickness, no disease will come near our dwelling place. Why? Because the word of God is in us. It is who we are. Those things just shrivel and die in our presence. Angels, Lord, are protecting us everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, you are leading us and guiding us in all things. We thank you, Father, for, the, for this opportunity to give to you this evening, Lord. To put our faith into action. To sow, Lord, our seed, Lord, that we have, that you've given us, that you've placed in our hands. Sow it into good ground, knowing that it is going to produce fruit, Lord. It is going to bring forth a harvest, Lord, of souls. An eternal harvest. But knowing in the meantime, Lord, that all of our needs are met, all of our bills are paid. We don't lack for anything. You've called us, Lord, to prosper in all things and be in health, just as our soul prospers. And we know, Father, as we, as we attach our faith to our giving, it comes back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. An evil man give back unto us, Lord. So we thank you, Father. We release that by faith tonight, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you give us opportunities this week, Lord, to share the gospel, to tell people about you, to walk in love and faith in everything that we do. Declaring here, Lord, at Island Church, we're covered by your blood, empowered by your word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie